Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, as we, as Ken just shared, uh, Norm and I were members here for, I don't know, about six months or so, I guess. <laughs> uh, I retired from a little church down in Lindley, just south of Corning. So uh, when we retired, we moved 12 miles to the big city of Corning, and uh, that's where we're at now. And uh, then I started doing some pulpit supply at different churches around, and uh, that was interesting and exciting. And one church kept calling me back, and uh, I says, yeah, I can come, and then I can come. And anyway, and they said, why don't you be an interim pastor here while we're looking for a pastor? I said, well, I could do that. That'd be easy. It's only eight miles away. It's up in Campbell, uh, Curtis Baptist Bible Church. And uh, so anyway, I did an intern there for about a year, and uh, then... Uh, they said, why don't you just be a bivocational pastor? So <laughs> you keep going a little closer all the while here. So uh, bivocational suggests that I have another full-time job. Uh, so my full-time job is retirement. <laughs> and my part-time job is pastoring uh, a little Baptist church up there and outside of Campbell. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of my backstory. I used to be a dairy farmer, and God, God called me out of that into the ministry. So... Uh, we've been adjusting ever since. So uh, we have three sons. Uh, one of them was with the Lord. Uh, he passed away about eight years ago now. He had a form of muscular dystrophy, and uh, so he passed away. But we have two other sons. The oldest one is serving at a uh, Christian school, a classical Christian school down in uh, Bowie, Maryland, uh, right between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. <laughs> It's a fun trip until the last 50 miles, and then it's, <laughs> people are crazy down there. But anyway, uh, and our youngest son lives up here in Binghamton, and uh, uh, he works with an organization called Soccer Shots, uh, teaching little kids how to play soccer, I think from like four years old up to seven years old, somewhere like that. Anyway, uh, he started out as a coach, and now he's in the administration part of it, so uh, it's been uh, an exciting experience for him. We get together with him. We're hoping to Thanksgiving with him this year, but but uh, uh, their kids got sick, and then they got sick, and those of you that have families know how that goes. <laughs> you share everything. Uh, so uh, we ended up uh, staying home and inviting uh, some of our neighbors to come and have Thanksgiving with us. So that kind of brings you up to uh, today. I do uh, I crashed the uh, Grace Community Church uh, Saturday breakfast, most every Saturday, uh, down at uh, Bob Evans, so quite often I'm down there with the guys for that, but I see most of the ones that are usually there are not here this morning, they're out doing other things, so, <laughs> but uh, uh, Mark is with us this morning, so he comes with us, so anyway, we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Philippians, Philippians in chapter 3, and uh, uh, Pastor Snap asked me to uh, preach here quite a while ago, uh, and you guys were just, just got through your celebration here of 20 years, is that right? 20 years? And uh, so I was trying to think of something uh, that would kind of connect with that, uh, but there's many other places you could use this same uh, topic uh, in a variety of other circumstances. As we look at this passage this morning, uh, Philippians in chapter 3, uh, we're going to start with verse 12, but I want to give a little background because Paul has just given his resume in the first 11 verses here, all the things that he had done and all the things that he had experienced and so forth. 
And then when he gets to verse 12, because he ends up uh, saying, kind of like saying, those are all the things that I have done, and God has used me that way. And then he starts in verse 12. It says, not that I had already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this same mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even that to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those of who so walk, that you may have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Let's begin with prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for your written word that we have before us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells us at the point of salvation that might teach us and help us to understand these truths as they relate to our lives today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint my lips and control my tongue, that I might be used to bring your message to each and every one who hears us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do apologize this morning. My mouth, my throat is a little scratchy, so I'm sucking on a cough drop. So I apologize for that. The title of the message this morning is simply Press On. Press on. Wherever we are in our Christian life, we need to press on. Don't stop there. I had a cousin, or have a cousin actually, and I remember one time when his boys were teenagers, and they were baptized in our local Baptist church. And his thought was, well, now that's taken care of. I don't have to worry about that any longer. And I'm thinking, that's just the door. That's just, <laughs> you've identified who you're, who you're putting your faith in. Uh, that's the opportunity to press on, to go, to grow. There's so much to be learned. Uh, I've been in ministry now for 33 years. I have to think, when was our son born? And then figure that out because I started ministry the year he was born. My first church, I guaranteed church growth. <laughs> I said, well, before we're here very long, you're going to have growth in this church. And uh, our son was born, our youngest one. So... Uh, that's the one up in Binghamton. But press on. Paul says, I have not yet attained. I haven't got it all together yet. And in my 30-some years of ministry, I haven't got it all together yet. I'm still learning, still stuff to, to understand and to comprehend and to teach and to preach and to share. Now God leads us along. 
And as he says here, Paul says, I've not already obtained or I already am perfected. So press on to perfection. Well, that sounds like a lofty goal, but you know, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, one day you will be perfect. God is going to give us new bodies. And the older I get, the more appreciative I am of that fact. <laughs> I have aches and pains where I didn't know I had aches and pains or I had things to ache before. And that happens all the time. When I first started, the first time we came to this church, I came in with, uh, with a walker because I had just had my second knee replaced. <laughs> and I expect someday I'm going to have my hip replaced because I told the, the surgeon, it says, last time you made this, you got one leg longer than the other. So now I walk like this. I said, that's going to brush my hip. And I said, yeah, well, that'll pay for the next uh, yacht that I want. You know. So <laughs> anyway, it's an ongoing thing. But one day we're going to be perfect. And that's what this passage tells us later on. We'll be looking at that. But press on to perfection. We've not yet attained. We've not yet apprehended. We haven't got it all together. We aren't perfect. And we're fighting purposefully. We're battling the battles that goes on in this life, and we're doing it with a purpose, that we might know Christ, and that we might live for Christ, and that we might represent Christ to a fallen world. And so we're fighting purposely, that I may lay hold, that's what it says here, not that I already attained and already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. The Lord had a plan when he called me into his ministry, into his service, into his family, if you will. And it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we have good works that are prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're fighting purposely that we might lay hold, that we might experience those things that God already has planned for us. And we look forward to that. We're working through the trials and tribulations and struggles that we have in this life, but we're pressing on. As Yogi Berra used today, is gaming over till it's over, you know. Uh, uh, and so we keep on struggling. There's more things to learn. My wife and I went to a pastor's conference here uh, back in October, and uh, uh, it's one that we enjoy going to. It's called Rural Home Missionary Association, or RHMA, and it's for small churches. Now, you guys wouldn't identify with that, but some of us come from small churches, and um, we uh, uh, go there because a lot of people have similar experiences of what we have. I've been to some of those pastors' uh, conferences where they start out, the first speakers start out, we started out with only 350 and now we're over 4,000. And so this is the struggles we went through and it, that doesn't really connect with what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I don't quite understand that, you know. <laughs> so there's, there's something about that. Most of these guys are small churches, very small. And I liked, I liked a testimony I heard a few years ago. A young man, he's probably in his 30s, I guess. But he was pastoring a little church, says we have about uh, 45, 50 people on a Sunday morning. But he says our youth group is really growing. But he says, I'm only a part-time pastor. So he says, oh, what else do you do? He says, well, I'm the local sheriff. And so everybody that, uh, young people that have the choice of going to jail are going to youth group. <laughs> <laughs> the youth group's really grown, you know. <laughs> so, and the streets are a lot less violent. So anyway, 
But it's interesting to hear the different stories about where people come from, what they're doing, uh, and so forth, and to see how God uses them. So we're fighting with a purpose in mind to know more about Christ and to share about Christ what He is doing in our lives. It says here that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We're fighting with a purpose. We're forgetting the past. Well, that doesn't mean we wipe the slate clean. We don't just uh, eliminate all memories of our past. But rather, we're not going to dwell on that. We're not going to look back and say, well, things were good once. I remember going to a church uh, uh, one time and they said, well, you know, 25 years ago we had over 200 in this church. And now we're down to 50, you know, and that was great times. And and, uh, well, it sounded great, but they need to forget their past. We need to move on. Our future is ahead of us, not behind us. And so we have to make the decisions and choices in this life that is going to prepare the church for the next life and for uh, the next generation. That's how our American forefathers, when they started this country, they were planning decades and, and generations ahead. What kind of government, what kind of a, a plan can we put in place that will ensure that our people are, are going to be free? And so they were planning ahead. They weren't looking out for themselves. They were planning for the next generation. And that's how we ought to live as well. What can I do in this life that is going to change other people's life to help them to know God better and to serve God better? So forgetting the past... And then focusing on the promises, the things that lie ahead. He says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Reaching involves effort, energy, focus. What are you reaching for? Uh, I never used to think that was all that important, uh, but just recently it was brought to mind when I was, uh, we're getting ready for a meal at our house and my wife wanted a, uh, a bowl on the top shelf. And she says, well, you're the tall one. I said, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, she's five foot one, maybe. And I'm a gigantic five foot six on a good day. Uh, <laughs> and so I, you had to reach up there. And I said, I got to get a ladder. Because first of all, I got arthritis. You start reaching up and, oh, man, that hurts. So you have to focus on what you're going after and prepare about how you're going to get there. And what you're going to do uh, when you get there. So it's forgetting the past and focusing on the promises, the things that are ahead. We say, well, where do you get that idea? Well, Jesus did. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 that he was looking forward to the things that are ahead. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy that was set before him. Jesus was looking to that glorious day when we're going to meet him in the clouds, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He was looking forward to that great reunion. I'm looking forward to it as well. I've got grandmothers, and I've got mom and dad. They're going to be in, uh, I'm going to greet, and our son, I'm going to greet. It's going to be great to see that. It's a re- reunion like never has been, and will continue on 
for eternity. Focusing on the promises, the things that lie ahead. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, uh, the mansions or dwellings that he has prepared beforehand for each one of us. Those individual dwellings, individual mansions, if you will, in the old King James, that we are going to live in for eternity. Places that God has prepared for us as individuals. Some of you like to live in one kind of a house, some in another. I think there was a, a, a Merle Haggard had an old country sound, you know, a cottage uh, on the mountaintop or something like that. But it's like the picture of a log cabin kind of a thing. I could, I could live in one of them. I'd be comfortable. But anyway, focusing on the promises, the things that lie ahead that God has given to us that we just haven't yet experienced. It's in our future. And then he continues on here. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Facing the prize. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call. Ultimately, that's heaven with him. But it also is the opportunity to serve the Lord here. The call is to do what we can do, what we are able to, what God has blessed us and given us the opportunity to do right here and now. And to be faithful to that call. Looking for those opportunities that God presents. Facing the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And verse 15 says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, having this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this uh, to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and by the same mind. Press on in unification. The idea is simply working together. Working together. There's a lot of things in ministry I have done. A lot of things in ministry I have never done. It's exciting in, in the number of firsts that I have experienced in the last few years after I've retired <laughs> was, uh, is exciting. That God still has something to uh, show me, to allow me to experience. And what a joy that is to experience something with God that He has called you to. And so that lies ahead. In unification, yeah, it is the same mind and by the same rules. That doesn't mean that we all have to agree on everything, but we all ought to be working toward the same goal of bringing glory to God. We ought to be maturing, as the passage suggests, as many as are mature. We ought to be in a process of maturing throughout our lives, learning more about God and how to serve God and how to uh, live for Him. As it tells us in Ephesians, we have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Think as we work together. In our, at the church back at Curtis, uh, Curtis Baptist Bible Church, uh, we have a lot of equipment, screens and gizmos in the back that I know nothing about, that I'm, praise the Lord, that we have a gentleman that has stepped in and runs that stuff for me, because <laughs> I don't know how to do any of it. Now, last week, we had a memorial service, and the gentleman that we were remembering was uh, part of the military, and so they had a military honor guard there. 
And usually that means five or six guys with guns that, you know, and the taps play and all that kind of stuff. Well, usually that's done outside. It was done outside again this time. But I talked with a guy in the military man in charge. I says, how are you going to do this? You want us to all come outside and watch this? Or, or can we just hear the guns from the inside? He says, well, I'm sure you can hear them. But he says, we got another plan. So anyway, they talked to this, our tech guy. His, his name is James. Talked to James. He says, oh, yeah. We can do that. You got somebody out there with a camera, you know, with their phone, and they're doing that, and they're live streaming it into the church. And so we saw the whole thing up on the screen in the church, and we didn't have to move. And it wasn't cold. <laughs> you know, we could, we could see and hear all that was going on. I'm so glad that they were able to do that. It was great for the family and friends that were gathered there. Uh, we had well over 100 people, which in our little church is a crowd. But... They were all able to see that. Now, some of them actually did go outside. That's fine. But a lot of us older folks said, yeah, I'm comfortable right here. <laughs> but we got to see it all on the screen. And that's a gentleman that's using his talents and his abilities uh, to glorify the Lord. He was able to serve the people with that opportunity and with that ability and training. So all of us are maturing. It is learning what God has given to us and finding ways to use it. We are to be thinking, thinking through things, thinking about how we can serve God better, thinking how does this truth of God's Word relate to me today, and how can I act upon it. We ought to be attaining, we ought to be getting, getting closer to God all the while. You know, we often say, you know, we are, we're closer to the rapture today than we ever have been, and that's true. Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen. It might happen before we finish the service today. It might be a thousand years from now. I don't know. If you watch the news, you'll think it's tomorrow. Uh, but, <laughs> but there's a lot that's going on. And so we ought to be attaining, we ought to be growing, going toward what God would have us to be and to do. And in that, he also says, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. We ought to be walking. That is the idea of a lifestyle, of a living out the truth. It's one thing to preach the truth and teach the truth, but it's another to apply that to our own personal lives and to grow and to use, to walk in that truth. The next passage here, it says, verse 17 says, Brethren, join in the following my example and note those who so walk so as you have us for a pattern. I'm certain, if you really think about it, there's somebody in your life that served as a pattern for you. Not entirely, not completely, but they set a good example. I remember in my first church, which is just outside of Sayre, Pennsylvania, Bumpville Bible Church. I love the name of that. Bumpville, because it sounds like it's the end of a dirt road. It was. <laughs> uh, but God is working in that little place. When I was there, if we had 25 for a morning, we had a crowd. Right now, the young man that's serving there, they average 60 every week. That's big for that little church. And they put on some additions and changed some things. But God has been working, and he is following an example of those that has been set before him and taking it, if you will, to the next level. And that's what Paul, as he writes here in Philippians, he says, follow my example. That is and was and continues to be 
One of the scariest parts about being a pastor, because sometimes people refer to as the man of God, which I hope I am, but people look to me for an example. And I think, nah, don't look at that. <laughs> and one of my, my first church, I had a deacon there, at, uh, good old Vern. He, he, was, he was a Vern, right? From the, he was just a good old boy. But he says, Pastor Ron, I'm a good, bad example. If you need one for your sermon, just tell a story about me. I've, I've done everything wrong that can be done wrong, but the Lord is still using me. <laughs> and maybe that's the attitude we need to take. We're not going to do it right. We're not going to do it perfect. Now, people have asked me what my favorite characteristic of God is. I'm saying that He's long-suffering. <laughs> that He puts up with my wrong choices and mistakes along the way, and He still chooses to use me in some way. And so, Paul says, follow my example. Note those who so walk. Note those that are seeking to live for the Lord and are doing their best to follow after Him. The gentleman that led me to the Lord, Louis Crandall, good old Louis, graduated from practical Bible training school in 1932. He was the one that uh, conducted the, my parents' wedding. So he'd been around a while. I knew of him, and I'd seen him, heard him preach a few times at our church when he was filling in for somebody else. When I got to know him as an adult, he was retired. And uh, he was helping out the pastor. He became, went from pastor to deacon in our church. Uh, and I got to serve with him. He was a deacon, and I was a deacon. We are on, actually, opposite ends of the age uh, scope, if you will. But I remember going to a home where a gentleman had just had a farm injury, and he was, uh, didn't know if he was going to survive or not, but he was home, and he was recovering. And we went in and talked to him about the Lord. And I remember Louis just sharing, he says, you know, we all have a decision to make. We need to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We need to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we talked to the man for a while, and then we left. And as we got in the car, Louis says to me, Oh, that felt good. I need to do that more. <laughs> and he was probably in his 80s at the time. But it felt good. Because that's what God had called him to do. He was not a great preacher. I've heard him preach. But he was a fantastic pastor. He's the kind of guy that would come alongside and put his arm around you and say, Hey, Ron, how's it doing? How you doing today? How you feeling? Is there anything I can pray for you about? And he was just that kind of uh, come alongside kind of a guy. Uh, but he loved the Lord. I think they had six, seven kids, he and his wife. Uh, his first wife, <laughs> I shouldn't put that together, his first wife passed away, uh, not because of having all those kids, but, <laughs> but because of other issues. But anyway, she passed away. And I had an uncle that passed away about the same time, and Louis married my aunt. So he came part of our family. <laughs> so it was kind of neat that way. But God used him in my life as an example to follow. And I'm sure that if you think about it, there are people in your life that serve as an example. 
They aren't doing everything right, but they're doing their best to live for the Lord and to bring glory to Him. And so that's what Paul says here. Following my example, note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Following God, following Paul's pattern or following other people's pattern that are so walking, that are walking in a way to bring glory to God. Those who so walk. And then he goes on here in verse 18, says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Press on with determination. Determination to follow after a good example, but follow with determination, discerning. Be discerning. Now, it's a popular thing today to say that Christians were not supposed to judge. And we aren't. But we are to be discerning. We are to be looking at what people are saying and how they are living. And so we ought to discern. Enemies with seductive goals, it says here. Enemies of the cross of Christ, verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. Discerning, discerning who the enemies are, those with seductive goals that are destructive. There's so many in our world today that are selling false Christianity. They're selling things that aren't true. They're preaching things that aren't true. And we have to watch out for that. The only way we can tell for sure if they're right is to know what God's Word says. And so we need to be in God's Word. Discerning the enemies their seductive goals, their sensual gods, if you will, whose God is their belly. Notice it's a small g. God is their belly. That can be anything sensual. It can be food. It can be drugs. It can be alcohol. It can be, you know, get-rich-quick schemes or all those kind of things. Whose God is their belly. It's, it's all about what brings me happiness, what brings me uh, satisfaction. It's not about serving a one true God. So discerning enemies with their seductive goals, their sensual gods, and their shameful glory. They are, as it says here, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. We all know people that are focusing on earthly things. Uh, you've seen or heard about the bumper sticker that says, He who... Uh, uh, who, he who dies with the most toys wins. I often want to ask, wins what? <laughs> uh, there was a time in my life where I had some toys. I had a motorcycle, I had a snowmobile, and all that did is keep me busy trying to hold all that stuff together and pay for all that stuff. Uh, and you could easily get caught up in all kinds of things. But he says, who set their mind on earthly things. The earthly things... The world tells us the more we have, the more uh, joy and happiness we're going to have. That's not true. That's not true. Um, Paul says, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. I know how to have riches and I know how to be poor. In all those things, I know how to live for God and serve Him. And so, discerning of these enemies is shameful glory. They are their People that have their goals set on earthly things, we need to be discerning about and not get caught up in their thought, uh, thinking as well. And then it continues on here in verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can claim with determination as we're pressing on, we're going with that determination that we are claiming our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here on earth. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through and all hymns sing. That's true. Our citizenship is in heaven. And our fellowship is with the Savior. We're going to meet our Lord Jesus Christ in the clouds in the air. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. That's what we call the rapture. We're going to meet our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the clouds in the air. I often go outside and you see those puffy little white clouds. And I say, Lord, today? Today? I'll jump a little bit. I used to could jump. I think about jumping. <laughs> but God wants us to be ready. Citizenship is in heaven. A fellowship is with a Savior. And we are to be waiting. Oh, we hate to hear that. Our culture doesn't like to wait. You know, I, I uh, heat up a cup of coffee that I made in the morning and it's all cold now and I stick it in the microwave and I set it for a minute and a half. And about a minute and 10 seconds, I stop it and take it out. I don't want to wait the extra 20 seconds. <laughs> I've got things to do, you know. Ah, we don't like to wait. But what a blessing it is to wait. What a blessing it is. Let the Lord's plan unfold. My pastor back home, I've shared this before, but my pastor at my home church, when I was there, we had a dairy farm, and this new pastor came in, and uh, I kind of took a look at him. He was about 6'3", and his wife was about 5'3", and I said, yeah, I don't see them fitting in here, you know. Uh, I just didn't think uh, he is a graduate from Baptist Bible College, and I said, I, I, I had a little highfalutin for here. I don't think you'll fit in. That was 1969. He's still there. He's still there. 1969, and he's still there. Somebody asked him when he was going to retire, and he says, when they put the last nail in the coffin. He says, I'm going to keep preaching till I can't. And he's still preaching. I, you know, he set, the, he set the bar high. He set an example I'm never going to live long enough to follow as far as staying in one church that long. But we need to look and have those lofty goals, if you will, to follow after, to strive to achieve, to gain. And so we're waiting, it says here, uh, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, oh, this, I feel like I ought to rise right off the ground from here. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, be like his, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We're waiting for that glorious transformation. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's in your future. This is not just a, this is not a fairy tale. This is not wishful thinking. This is biblical thinking. This is the truth of God from the Word of God. He will transform this lowly body into a glorious body like His. John writes, he tells in 1 John, that we shall see Him as He is and we shall be like Him. Wow. Wow. I mean, 
It's one thing to have our sins forgiven and be called to serve Him. That's great. But one day He's going to transform our lives, this lowly body, into a glorious body that's like His. What a great future. So press on, people. Don't give up when things get difficult and trying. I often tell people, everyone that has ever been born and is created is going to face eternity. It's only in this life do you have the opportunity to choose where you're going to spend eternity. And like the real estate agent says, most important thing is location, location, location. Where are you going to spend eternity? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And you're looking forward to an eternity with Him, with that new transformed and glorified body where when God tells us to do something, we will do it. We'll do it right the first time. Wow! Can you imagine that? <laughs> and we're going to do that over and over again. And we're not going to get tired. We're not going to have to go to a doctor's appointment. That's going to cut off about half of my life. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to have to go to doctor's appointments anymore. All those things... They will have that glorious body, that new transformation that we have with Him. Waiting for that glorious transformation and the submission of all things to Him. Subdue all things to Himself. It's going to be unanimous, if you will. All things are going to be submitted to Him. No one will escape that He is Lord. Everyone will name Him as Lord. Not everyone is going to believe in Him, but everyone is going to recognize He is the power. And that's a whole other series of messages. But God wants us to be a part of that glorious reunion He is preparing for us. And then chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. Go back to the title of the message, Press On. Press On. Be standing. Notice what he, how he describes believers here. Paul is saying, Press On, my beloved. First of all, we're loved. We are loved by God. He loves us because He died on the cross for us. So He loves us. We are desired, it says here, longed for brethren. He wants to see us. He wants to be united together with us. We are desired. And then he says, my joy. My joy. I, it's exciting to go and visit our kids and, and our grandkids. We went up and visited them a, oh, a month ago now, I guess. And we came in the door and, Grammy! And our little granddaughter come running over and latched onto my wife. My joy. Granddaughter was certainly my joy at that time. Our joy. And that's just, just a little snippet of what it's going to be like in heaven. He says, my longed for, my beloved, my joy. And it says, my joy and my crown. That we're proud of who God is and He is proud of us. Not because we were perfect, but because we loved Him and we put our faith and trust in Him. My crown, so stand fast in the Lord. In the Lord, we are honored because God has given us a crown, if you will, when we are faithful to Him. But we are in the Lord forever, for all eternity. That's inspired. 
It's not just for a little while. We're going to go up to heaven and then we've got to come home. It's not, not like a vacation. You know, you go there for a couple of weeks and it's grand and glorious and then you've got to come home and get back into real life again. We get to heaven. We're just going to go and experience glory over and over again and see God's power and His wonder. And we're going to be able to participate with Him and work with Him and use the abilities and opportunities that God has given that we can bring glory to Him as well. So press on. Press on to perfection. It's provided for us. Press on in unification. Work together, each of us, using our talents and abilities to glorify God. And do it with determination. They're going to hang in there. Keep on keeping on until God calls us home. Let's close in prayer. Hey, Becky. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word this morning. We thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. Lord, we do pray that you be with Pastor Snap and, and Janice, that they'll uh, have an enjoyable and a, uh, a learning experience as they go to the mission field there in Columbia. Pray you watch over them, keep them safe, and those traveling with them. But thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture that challenges us and confronts us and inspires us to go and to live for you, uh, to give all that you have given and share it with others. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, help us to go and to share that good news with those that you put in our path. Help us to be faithful as individuals to honor and glorify the name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.